we are back with another Black with No Cream podcast. New episode every single Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real First World. On today's episode, we have myself. I am going to be talking to you guys and answering some questions from the community, um, the private community, Black with No Cream. This was an interesting concept, and I will explain it very soon. I decided to make an intro because I thought it'd be funny, but now that I'm doing it, it's not that good. So enjoy this shit. Uh, Keep creating every single day. And if you want to hear a little bit about me and, you know, how I do shit, this is a good one to start with. I might do this again in the future. But anyway, that's it. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. Make sure to tune in every single Sunday for a new episode. And last but not least, here's my interview with myself in the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now attention if you stop this podcast recording at any time you will die i don't want to die do you want to live you have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die i'm kidding you won't die you're just weak shit for not sharing and the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. Alright. This is it. Episode 26 of the Black with No Cream podcast starring me. Because there's a reason why it's just me today. And why I'm late. I'm posting. It's a great explanation. I have been... I've posted about it in Black Window Cream, and I've tried to express it. Um, I haven't been very vocal about what I've been doing, but I've been doing this project that has required a fuck ton of my time. Um, I've been doing it now for five weeks straight. I've had three days off. Um, We work on the project about 10 hours plus a day, sometimes longer, often. So anyway, with that being said... Almost all of my week and weekends go to this project, which leave me like, you know, I'm not able to spend a lot of time on this podcast. So I tried to rack up a few of the interviews and I got a few so that I could post those while I was busy, which was even very difficult to do, um, you know, while while I get home from like a 14 hour day and it's Sunday night and I'm trying to like, fuck, I got to create the artwork and master the mix and do the intro and add the outro and upload that shit and then add the YouTube video and I send the files to Dave, Dave edits the shit, Dave gets it up on YouTube. It's a, it's a lot of shit to do. So whatever. I slipped up, man. And I didn't put anything out yesterday. Yesterday was Sunday. Today is Monday. Um, because I have been working with this artist and we're getting ready for Coachella. Um, and now I'm here. We just drove out today, got to Indio. Um, what the fuck is this place called, Dave? Dave's in the hotel room with me. Indio? I don't know. Wherever Coachella happens. Palm Springs, Palm Springs, same shit. We're at we're wherever at we're at Coachella. Um we got a hotel. We're here a week early because we got rehearsals. I am not gonna go into who I'm with yet. I will save that for next week, because by then you'll know. Um but you could probably take some guesses and figure out who it is. Anyway, we're here, we're up in this hotel, we got this bomb ass spot, um kicking it sort of poolside we're by like two pools we got a little water park and shit it's real nice i got a little patio out here i might go chill chill in and look at the golfers play golf i probably won't play golf but anyway um yeah so i'm catching up on work i drove out here this morning we took care of some business this morning um got out here 
set up, ate dinner. Now I have time to fucking breathe. It's 7 p.m. I'm like, all right. I said it earlier in the week. I was like, hey, maybe what I could do, because I, I was a fearful that I was going to not post something. And I hate the idea of not posting something. It drives me fucking crazy. All I really want to do, no matter what project I'm working on, whatever artist I'm working with or celebrity or whoever the fuck it may be, whatever th- what I'm doing, it always comes back to me being so obsessed with Black Widow Cream. Starting this group is like one of my favorite things I've ever done, I think. And it it gives me joy seeing the response. Um, people message me all the time and they're telling me about how powerful this group is to them and how they've been able to create with certain people or make connections and get on tours and do all this shit. Like people have found a community that they can grab to. And I started that. And it was a random idea I had just because I got a lot of messages from people asking me how to do shit. So I'm like, cool, let's put them all in a space, see what happens. And it's working. And that's fucking awesome. So I think about it all the time and I want to make it even better. I, we talk about this in the, the live streams and I'm always trying to ask you guys for like, what can I do to make this podcast and this fucking creative group, this private group better and give a better experience to you guys so you guys can learn even more shit and, and find more tools and build, you know? And the podcast to me, I think is a great tool. I'm talking to creators that have had a lot of success doing something that they do, whether it's a photographer, it's a videographer, music person, or, you know, I mean, a rapper or whoever, a tour manager. I talk to all these different people. You can go back and listen to any podcast. And we talk for an extensive amount of time. And throughout that, I'm picking their brains to figure out how they got to where they are and what it took for them to get, you know, the title that they got or the accomplishments that they got and what are tools and advice that they could offer to my community to make you guys a better creator. There is so much insight in these podcasts and so many powerful sentences that come out of these people's mouths. Like I'm in, I'm forever in debt to these people for taking the time to talk with me for you guys. Um, and I just think it's a great fucking thing. Also, let's know, I'm going to stop it right now. I am going to derail from any topic that I start because I, I don't know. I never, no one's ever said I had ADHD or whatever the fucking shit's called, but I'm definitely like, I'm just talking and you you guys all know I talk a fuck ton and say a bunch of random shit. So, but anyway, I love Black Widow Cream. I love this group. I want to create more for it. No matter how big of a project I'm on, I, I always am angry that I'm not able to do more for this group. I want to, I want to find a fucking space where I could build out an area to create the podcast vibe or whatever the fuck you want to call it. So I could make more podcast episodes. I want to be able to make more episodes that aren't just me talking with someone. Maybe it is us doing one-on-one. Maybe it is Q and A's and I can answer or try to give advice. Maybe it's something as simple as making like YouTube videos where I could just like watch your work and give you some advice and other people could watch that shit and be like, Oh cool. I want to make a video like that. And that makes sense of what Ben said here. Or maybe I bring in my friends that are also creators and they could watch your work or look at your photos or critique your designs or something. I don't know. I just want to make more shit, you know? And I'm getting there and projects like this bum me out because it takes me away from it where I hate that I potentially could have missed this last Sunday. And it's so easy for me because I'm so fucking tired that I'd just be like, yo, fuck this shit. Yo, I don't care. Like I'm not, I'm tired. I don't have time to think about this. You know, the podcast is small as it is right now. Maybe people won't like care if I don't post some shit or whatever, but I care. I hate that I I can't say I'm going to put out an episode every fucking Sunday and then not do that. You know, like I need to do that shit. So this is it. I basically posted in Black Window Cream. I said, yo, if I post an episode, would anyone be down to ask me questions? I could just answer some of the questions on this on this podcast. I was answer your questions and try to give you my insight. And I got a group of questions, which is cool. 
So I think today what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and answer those, and we'll fucking see how it goes. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'm just staring at this camera. <laughs> I'm staring at this fucking camera. Dave is sitting over here. Uh, let me see if I can turn this shit. Dave's sitting over here on my bed, just kicking it. He's editing his video. Um, Dave is my intern. This is what's cool. Let's talk about some shit real quick, because I'll have Dave on the podcast soon. But... Dave, I posted a while back that I needed an intern because I could not, I actually didn't have enough time to do this podcast as well as edit the YouTube portion of it and give you guys a video element. So what I did was I said, hey, yo, I'm looking for an intern. You know, I want to send you guys some videos to edit like from one of the podcast episodes and whoever can turn around the edit quickly, like the quickest and then give me, you know, I was looking for people that would be able to find good chunks from the episodes that could turn it into social content, make it into Instagram stories and do all these things that I normally would do to help promote the episode. Um, and Dave was like one of 25 people that turned it around within hours. It actually freaked me out. He edited the whole thing. It looked great. He made the social shit. They look great. He had a whole write up that, meant something to me at the time. I don't remember what you said, but it was fucking dope. And I was like, oh shit, this is my guy. And everyone else turned their shit in. They were fucking ill too. It was just something about how fast he turned that around and how willing he was to give his all for the opportunity that stuck out to me, you know? And I, as much as I would love to like get everyone involved as like an intern or whatever the fuck you call it, I just don't know how to handle talking to a lot of people at once and like delegating. I'm working on that shit. But anyway, so Dave's my intern. What else is crazy is Dave's gone hard and has first caught up on all the episodes I had shot already. I just didn't edit any of them. And he went back and edited every single episode for the for the YouTube channel. I was working on the artwork. We're trying to figure out the intros. So I'm uploading these files to him on Google Drive while he's trying to download it. We both have shitty internet, so it's taking a long fucking time. I ended up buying three cameras, so it's even more of a workload. I was shooting in 4K, but that would take up like 300 gigs. So then I started shooting these in HD, which made it like 40 gigs each file or each video to try to send it to him so that he could sit there and flip the shit because he lives in Texas. So Dave's from Texas, and we'll talk talk about how we met and all this shit. But it's just kind of crazy because when I got this job for where why I'm at Coachella for this artist that I'm working for, they let me have an assistant to just kind of help me out with a lot of the things I was doing. And the first person I thought of was Dave because Dave was just talking about flying himself out, willing to fly himself out to LA, crash with his homies just to work near me or around me so that we could like work on some projects together. And, and it was just worth it for him to do that, you know? And I saw this as a great opportunity because A, I trust him from all of our phone calls. B, he's proved himself to me by how hard he's fucking worked and his willingness to work obviously for free because Black Widow Cream has no money and was willing to help me out with this podcast. Um, I just trust him. So I gave him the job and he's come through in the clutch and it's been fucking awesome. He's been here the whole time. He had to leave for a week, but to go work for a client that he had booked prior, even though his job is sick, he was still like holding his word to go back and shoot that. I don't know. So I fuck with Dave. Dave's in the hotel room. I'm sitting here stroking his ego, but he's dope. And shout out to you, dog. Um, why the fuck are we talking about you? Dave, you're wasting my time. God damn it. Uh, I'm just sipping this hotel coffee. You guys... Don't mind me sipping and slurping in this fucking thing. All right. Anyway, I don't know why I talked about Dave. Maybe it's just because that's what, oh, Black Widow Cream. That's how fucking crazy that shit is, is that Black Widow Cream introduced me to Dave. Dave showed himself how hard he's worked, and now we're both at Coachella working with a very, very sick artist, and I'm happy to have given him the opportunity to, like, you know, elevate his career and whatnot, and he's proved to me that he could handle the shit and it made me look good and all that stuff so anyway 
That's cool. Black Widow Cream's tight as fuck. Let's get to these questions. So, if you're not in the Black Widow Cream private creative group, you should fucking join. BWNC.com slash join, you bitch. Check it out. You could ask me questions, too, if you wanted to, if you were on this shit. Um, so, there's a lot of questions, and a lot of them look like they're going to make me talk a lot. Um, so, I might not answer all of them, but I will try to. Let's um, start with Jenna Ross. I need to make this shit a little bit bigger so I can read it. The internet at this hotel is so bad. It's so bad. All right. I've always thought your name was Jenna Ross, but it looks like it might not be Gina Ross. Is it Gina Ross? It must be Gina Ross. We were supposed to meet at one point in time, but we haven't done it yet. Anyway, she asks, what's your best three pieces of advice that you've gotten about film or life in general? That is a great question. Um, I think one good piece of advice for about film school, which is film-related, when I was interested in attending film school, um, a good family friend of mine, he goes by the name of Morley. He makes very cool street art. He went to film school, and he was my only person that I ever knew that had done something like that. And so I messaged him, and I asked him what his, if he would recommend me going to film school and if it's worth it. And he told me that the number one thing that you're going to get out of film school, besides like the basic knowledge on film and getting to play with the fucking gear, is the networking. And, you know, you never know who you're going to go to school with. You never know what they're going to turn into. And that's always a good investment. But if it's worth, you know, 100 grand or whatever the fuck they're charging to do it, I don't know. It's an investment. But it made me think and, and it opened my eyes to stuff. And I understand that I didn't choose to go to film school because it literally was so expensive. I couldn't afford it. But, um, you can apply that in many ways. So I could take that and say, is it worth it to go to this party tonight? I don't know. Let's see who who can you network with. Is it worth it to go to this fucking charity event? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, obviously, it's probably always, hopefully it's a good cause, but you never know who you're going to meet at these things, you know? So um, always think about networking and networking is the key to anything when it comes down to this shit because um, it's the only way I've gotten to where I am today is by opening my mouth and communicating with people and that's it. Uh, the other two, if I, I don't know, I'll just list off two other things. Be a good fucking person. It is going to get you somewhere in your life and work your ass off. Um, just work your fucking ass off. That's it. If you, if you're not willing to do that, if you're willing to, if, if you're going to be a dickhead, if you're going to be lazy and, and if you're going to be antisocial, <laughs> then this shit ain't for you. Um, she also said, she's also bogged down by some edits, uh, that become monogamous. How do you deal with edits like that? Um, that's a good question. Editing, you know, sometimes it comes off like I can just bang out an edit, right? You know, those edits where you're just like, oh shit, I got this shit. And sometimes it'll take me, I hate the struggle of editing is when I sit there and I'm staring at a piece, I have all the elements and I don't know how to start it. And I sit there and I try to find that one piece, uh, to start it with. And I think this is a, it's a good note to take is that when I edit videos or photos, um, or even when we made music, I would always try to figure out the beginning of it. Like, what is the very beginning? What is the intro to whatever story I'm trying to tell? And if I could piece that together, the rest of it was cake. As long as I could establish what the introduction was to whatever story I'm trying to tell, I could get the rest of it out. So those times where you can't figure out how to do that, step away, go do something else. Don't just sit there and try to force some shit. Forcing shit never works. Sometimes you're dealt with you know tight deadlines, but even then... Go step outside. Go fucking breathe some fresh air. 
do, I don't know, run around the block or something like literally anything you can do to get your mind off it. I know when we were editing a lot of like Chris Brown's music videos, I remember going up to like the rooftop of our building just to like breathe air and take my mind away from it for a few seconds, just a few seconds. Someone would smoke a cig. I just chill with them and look around and see the city and just imagine myself being here. I always wanted to be in LA. I see LA and then I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go back and crack at it. And something always came of it. You know, it might just take a while. So don't think that you're terrible at it. If you can't come up with an edit right away, sometimes it takes a minute to come to you. Take a break. Um, Awa Gordon says, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you think about longevity in a creative role? Well, I quit my, my last real job. Uh, fuck. When was that? My last job I was, I've talked about it before, but I was a valet driver and I also set up for events. I think that was my last job. And that was like 2013, maybe 2012. And even during that, I was creating content. So I don't know. I've consistently been, I've done five years of being in a creative role and it's floated me as a, a creator. I haven't financially came up until the last few years. And I think that that came with understanding business, starting to pair business with your creative arts and finding ways to like bind those two together and know your worth. You know, that's, that's a tough thing to do. But, um, in five years from now, after that, I I don't know. I just feel like I'm climbing up a hill and I don't know what's at top at the top of it, but I know there's something sick that I'm going to enjoy. So I'm going to continue climbing that and I'm going to continue working hard and trying to, you know, show people my worth every day, um, and ex- express to them that they're whatever they're doing is going to be better with me on it because that's the key, you know, like I am a key. So I want people to use me and you know what I mean? Like I'm cool with that. Some people will use you and not give you money. Some people will use you and reward you very well. And that's just part of this fucking game. So, you know, Kind of take it take it uh, with a grain of salt and yada, 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 all that shit. Um, let's see. Hopefully this is cool. I don't know if people are enjoying this podcast right now. Um, I'm sorry that it's not me interviewing someone. And uh, so, yeah. But I like answering these questions. This is kind of fun. Ty Gillum. I think I'm getting these names right so far. Maybe. I don't know. How did you get the past... How did you get past the mental barriers involved with being creative? Um, I don't know. It kind of goes in with like, you know, getting in a rut with your edit. It's just, you just have to bear with it and rock it out and figure out how to make it better. Whatever the project is you're working with. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard. If you could be more specific on it, I guess if you, I don't know what situation you've been in, but I'm trying to think of one particular, it's like, project that I've worked on where it's just super hard or something. Every documentary I've worked on is a fucking challenge. It's sometimes you sit there and you're just, you could sit there for a full 12 hour day and and, and an edit session and just stare at it and nothing will come from it. And at the last 13 minutes, you could come up with a two second edit, something that's two seconds long. When you actually watch it, it plays for two seconds and that shit could get you so excited that you are going to make the next day will be so productive. Those 12 hours, you'll make like a full like 20 minute edit in your documentary, something like that. Those are the best moments. So when you get down and you keep trying stuff and you keep trying stuff and this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. Oops. That two minutes right there, that shit or that two second clip right there, that will get you so amped to like continue editing that section that 
that should be enough momentum for you. That should be enough of a, a boost, you know what I mean? To like get you out of your like mental barrier or whatever. Hopefully these, I, I'm just going to quit apologizing to you guys. Just know I'm apologizing. Daniel Pipe. Peep, pipe, pipey. I don't know. I would love to know the story behind how you got involved with Schoolboy Q and the TD and TDE, and also how you began your career in general. Those are long stories. Um, I've definitely shared them in podcasts before, but if this is if you're if you haven't heard any of the episodes or any of like podcasts that I've been on before, Genius Frequencies had me on their on their show, which I think they took down. I think I'm gonna post that on the Black Window Cream. Um, YouTube channel because that was a cool episode. I think they just removed that. I've been on a few. Um, Perspective Collective podcast, I've been on that before, sharing my story and whatnot. But long story short, School by Q came about because I went to South by Southwest Festival a few years ago. I shot um, this homie named Kembe X. He was performing there. I didn't know him at the time, but his manager knew my friend Craig who had brought me with him to South by Southwest. So he asked me to come through and shoot this dude who he was starting to manage and like work with. Turns out that the that, that manager is my boy Musa. Musa is top son. Top is the owner of Top Dog Entertainment. Top Dog Entertainment manages Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, SZA, Isaiah Rashad, J-Rock, all these artists. So that's kind of how it happened. I shot this shit. He thought it was sick as fuck. He called us then, back then, and told me he was going to send me on the Schoolboy Q World Tour or the, the T- TDE World Tour. Oh, shit. Do you hear my voice changing? That's because I'm, like, choking right now. Listen to that. Does it sound different? All right. Let me drink this water. <clears throat> I'm back. Anyway, so he told me that. That got me excited. Um, it didn't happen right away. This was, year, like, three years ago. I moved out to L.A. because I wanted to be around him a little bit more so he didn't forget who I was. Uh, while doing that, my homie Andrew brought me out and I started working on the Chris Brown documentary, started working on Chris Brown's music videos, started working with a bunch of artists. That shit got lit. Um, Moose always paid attention to that. And when the time came, Q was going on tour. He hit me up a few weeks before. He's like, yo, you got to go on tour. So I went on tour and now people know about me, I guess. Um, but that's kind of like the beginning of my my career, I guess, so on the internet, I don't know. Hopefully that answers that question. My boy Michael Watson said this idea is sick. Thank you. Hopefully people like listening to me rant. Let me just take a break. Dave, do you have you been listening to me? He's on his phone. I don't believe him. He said yes, but do you think this is going well or do you think I should can this shit? <laughs> All right, he said I'd keep going. I'm going to keep going. All right, Grayson Turner said, it would be dope to talk about your transition from making videos for fun to when you started making moves and what that looked like, where you first saw success in the beginning. Um, Yeah, so I remember basically I come from music, you know? I made music, I played shows and shit, and that's a whole other story. Uh, But while making music, I did, I, I quit my job. And I wanted to focus on making music full time. And so that required me to be in a a home studio with my homies that were also doing this and make as much music as we possibly could while, you know, making bare minimum money to get by and pay whatever bill that was. So when I needed money, I would shoot videos because that's like my second favorite thing to do is making videos. And so I would go and shoot a video for like a fucking workout person or some shit, you know what I mean? Whatever it was, a wedding or something like that. 
and that would give me a little bit of money here, and I'd pay my bills off with that, boom, boom, and I could keep making music. Um, I just didn't want to spend 40 hours a week working somewhere for like a minimum amount of money where I could be spending those 40 hours a week working on something I really, really cared about and spend less hours working on something that could make me enough money to cover the bills that I needed to pay to be alive for 40 hours a week. So um, the one thing I remember doing was I shot a video for a friend who opened a bar, um, and it was just like a quick video. It was just he had just opened the bar and it was like the intro video he was gonna put on Facebook to get the town hype that this you know to show the renovation and all the shit and it was it was cool it was sick it actually turned out really dope and my dad told me he asked me if I got paid for it and I wasn't really you know I didn't really care some if it was for a friend I was shooting a lot of shit for free and I told him no and he told me that I need to make sure I don't sell myself short which is something I say a lot. Uh, because he tells me not to sell myself short a lot. And especially when I got to LA and I was dealing with getting kind of fucked over by, you know, certain jobs where they weren't paying me that much money and I was doing a lot of work for free and all that shit. He always told me not to sell myself short. And I think when he said that, it made me understand how to run myself as a business or how to understand that I am worth something. So if this video is going to get this person's bar uh, popular in the public eye because it hypes them up, then maybe I should get a little bit of money for that because that person will probably get money. And I'm not mad about that shit at all. That had nothing to do with that. That was just me. I still would do it for free for that dude if I had to do it again just because it was worth it. But it's the idea behind it, whether it had been something else or working for a fucking John Deere, the local like tractor company that's massive. Like If I would have done that for free, like why would I do that? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm working to help this person get better. So I guess that was when I kind of realized that I could transition from doing fun free videos which I was doing for my music and all this stuff to like oh cool I could actually get paid for it which is always like a backbone um, and then starting to do that and I actually before I moved to LA I was working as a Google certified um, photographer this is how I made a shit ton of my money before I moved out to LA this actually bought me a 5D Mark III doing Google photography bought me a 14 millimeter um, Canon lens the point eight or whatever and uh, damn what all did I buy with that I, 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 I basically I wanted a 5d I wanted a drone I wanted a Ronin um, I used those and I paid them paid all that off by shooting real estate videos right away so then I also said I wanted a budget and when I had that budget I moved to LA so I said I wanted X amount of dollars or whatever it was and I I put that together and I moved out to LA um, hoping that I wouldn't burn through all of it. But if I did burn through all of it, that was kind of my, my risk. You know what I mean? That was what I was willing to risk for this career move that I was going to make. And so that kind of put a lot of pressure on me to get paid for things. You know what I mean? Like to try to find ways to get the credit that I needed so that I could then turn around and prove to the next person that, hey, I have all this credit and that's why you should pay me money, you know? So that's kind of where I saw some success. I don't, I don't think it answers it the right way or whatever way you wanted to, but this is just what it's making me think of. Anyway, this uh, Reggie Duran says, post-production workflows for documentary projects. With more than two weeks of footage, interviews, uh, Sittner's B-roll, etc. I'm asking too much. Thanks for your energy and dedication, Ben. Always an inspiration. This is a good question. I would love to do your uh, two-week documentary. My documentaries keep seeming to take almost a year or two sometimes. <laughs> So give me on your productions, dude. But my our our post production workflow is 
it's interesting because I feel like with documentaries, we're continuously shooting, especially like this documentary I'm doing right now, I'm directing it and we're also editing it. I'm editing it with my homie Shannon and Andrew and we're, you know, Andrew and I are directing this. Um, we're always, it's not like we just shoot a bunch and then edit all of it. We're always shooting and editing at the same time. As we build our story in post, we're going back and filling in the gaps with, you know, we'll go out and shoot some of this or shoot some of that. So maybe you need B-roll to fill in this little gap here. Maybe you need another interview that could answer certain questions and fill in this gap. So there's a lot of things when it comes to documentaries um, of how to run your post-production. Obviously, if you're just handed footage and you say, hey, this is the documentary, make it into something, I think the best thing you could do is watch everything. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to give you one tip and it's watch everything. Know what you have, know what you're working with footage wise, like, and, and audio and any, any media that you have, please watch all of it. If you don't do that, you're a bad editor because I've seen people get projects and go through it and they start grabbing some cool clips and then they make the edit out of that. And I think the problem with that is that, yeah, you might've found some bangers, but there could equally be better bangers in that pile of clips. And if you didn't go look for it, if you didn't watch every single clip, then you will miss it. So if you have interviews, if you have 15 interviews that are half an hour long with about some boring shit, but it's a documentary, you're getting paid to edit, watch every fucking interview. Transcribe the interview. Do whatever you have to do so you can, you know, take advantage of that. That's what I would do. It's tough to do, though. You have to have time for that shit. So that's why you get an assistant editor. All right. Carrying on, Chris Abel Sinclair says, what would you say has been your biggest professional creative accomplishment to date? What are you most proud of and how has it shaped you to create new content and see the world? Thanks, Ben. I love this community that you've created and the podcast is super dope. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that shit. Um, I have to keep drinking this coffee. <clears throat> I'm getting a headache because I haven't had enough yet. Let's see, what would be the biggest professional creative accomplishment today? Definitely what I'm doing right motherfucking now. That shit is sick. Although I cannot tell you about that yet, um, I'll tell you that it's been one of the most draining experiences uh, that I've ever taken part of. I thought that the last few big jobs that I did were the ones, but this one is definitely taking everything from me. And it didn't start it, the way this job started out. I somehow like continue. I grew I, from what my position was supposed to be. What I was supposed to do originally is not what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now is very crazy and it's very demanding. And it's very intense and, and kind of giving me anxiety and shit. Um, but I, I said yes and have to figure it out. You know what I mean? So, I, it's hard to give, it's hard to talk about it because I can't give you the true context. I'm sorry for for not doing that, but I'll just come up with something else. Um, the biggest professional, cre- I mean, I loved going on tour. School IQ that was one, a great fucking experience because I got to go see the world. We went to Europe, we went to the UK, we went to um, fucking Iceland, and we went to Europe or where else did we go? <laughs> we went to fucking Australia and all of America and Canada and shit. That was dope. Um, you know, that was me working my ass off every day, learning how to be on the road, learning how to, um, t- you know, just survive and make good content while being very, very distracted all the time by everything that's going on around you. And I was happy with that. Um, the other thing would have been my Chris Brown documentary that I co-edited with Andrew Sandler that he directed. 
is on motherfucking Netflix and iTunes, and it played in theaters. I think like um, 450 theaters nationwide, and it sold out two nights in a row. It was just supposed to be a one night thing, and it crushed so much that they brought it back two different nights. And it played in Mexico and Europe and shit, and sold out all these theaters and me- like everywhere. That's fucking crazy. And it's on Netflix. Like I w- I go to Netflix when I'm bored, and my content is there. Like I can see my name on Netflix. That's fucking crazy. So that's pretty dope. Um, my homie Blake Spears, he's on here saying, what's the worst advice people have given you in the industry that could, that you could have, man, I totally lost my place. What's the worst advice people have given you in this industry that you had to make the confident choice to say, fuck that and do your own thing. And what are some examples? This is a good question. Um, one time I went to, uh, dang. One time I was, um, I had to make a video for, uh, I had to make a video for Chris Brown and it was for the, um, the intro of his set and it, it, that's how this, his show started was my video played and then the crowd screams and then Chris fucking comes. I don't know. I think he lowered in on flames. Like there was flames around him or something, whatever it was. And I had to make this video in like no time at all. We had just shot two music videos. We were editing. It was a lot of, it was pretty intense. And so I had no time to do it. And we had to catch a red eye flight um, later that night. So I like tried to cut part of an edit and I thought it was cool. And I showed a few of the people around the office and, and then I showed the, the dude that hired me to do it. And right away he watched it, but I, I don't have enough context in my video yet. So right away, I think it kind of threw him off just cause he was watching it. Like I didn't give pre- context like hey i'm gonna do this this and this so right away he was like nervous like i don't know if that's the one i don't know if that's it and that shit like shook me up because i didn't feel like i had enough time to make something new so i was like fuck how am i gonna finish this like you know because i have to make a whole new video and i got on the plane and i got all the elements that i needed to like complete the video and i sat down and i looked at it again and i was like no i think this is the wave um i'm gonna do this I'm going to finish it the way I thought it was because I don't have enough time, honestly, to start another one. And if they don't like it, like I'm fucked. If they do like it, yay. And then I ended up showing it to Chris and he loved it. And it was a good payout because it was just a lot of stress, a lot of editing on a plane when everyone was sleeping. And then I went on to do like 30 more hours of consistent editing throughout the day to try to create the rest of the visuals that played on the shit. That was pretty crazy. That was nuts. But just being derailed for a minute threw me off and it made me fucking nervous that I wasn't like my choices weren't right. And I felt very strong that they were right. Um, and I knew in my head when it was completed, it would make sense, but maybe at that moment it didn't for the person watching, but I don't know. You just have to stick with your gut and make your creative, creative choices. And then if, you know, you got to work with people to, to get there, obviously. So that was, that was it. That was a good example, I think. All right, Travis Lovick. Being a creative living outside of L.A., what is the best way to transition into living and working in L.A. without being screwed over? Uh, There's no fucking way you can do that. Everyone's going to fuck you over when you get here. This is a challenging place to live. Um, I think that's why a lot of people don't make it here. I feel like that's why a lot of people move here and don't get the cracking jobs that they want right away and have to go back home and it's a bummer and blah, blah, blah. Um it just is what it is, you know? So one thing that you could do is come out here knowing who you are, 
Come out here knowing your worth. Come out here being willing to give it your all. And then attack that shit. Study, research this motherfucker. Know exactly what you want when you get here and, and go for it. Like, do the research. Find the people you want to work with. Send them messages. You can start working on this shit before you get to LA. You know what I'm saying? So go after that shit. Give it all you got. And you will win. That's the only way you're going to win. You know what I mean? Otherwise, if you come out here and just expect shit to get handed to you, uh, don't do it. Just don't do that shit. Um, Adian Detloff? Detloff? I don't know how you say your name. The process you go through from shooting to editing. How do you start your editing process and what gives you the inspiration for overall look of the video, if not predetermined? Uh... This, the quick version of that is if it's hard to say, like I, I know a lot of people talk like that, like saying like, Hey, how do you start? And like, how do you do the whole thing of when you make a video? A lot of the times it's not just me that's making a video. I am a one man band and can operate as a one man band, but there's sometimes where I'm working with 60 people, you know what I mean? To create a product. Sometimes it's when you're working with two people to create a product. So it just depends on the project. If you're working with a crew, it's different. You have to think about how everyone else is going to create this project. You have to figure out how to give creative control or have creative control and give creative direction so that people can understand what your vision is. And then they can go out and accomplish their goals and do what they're good at and make your vision come to life. You know what I mean? It's very, very difficult um, to do that. But I mean, I guess, obviously, I think I know that most of the people in this group aren't working with groups of people. They're working by themselves as creators. Sorry, as I talk more and more, I'm like losing my voice. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, I think when I go, it, say I go to an event and I go and I shoot like a recap video or some shit, um, you get there, I look at what it is. I'm like, okay, so this is going to, what's tonight going to be like, it's going to be this, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. I start to piece the story together in my head. The story is actually done for you. The story is this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Please shoot it and recap it. So you just have to figure out how to tell that story. <coughs> ah! how to tell that story creatively um, to explain to people what happened at this event, right? And how ill it was. So then I start thinking, what are B-roll pieces that could go along with the actual event itself? So if I'm going to film docu-style, I'm going to film like, oh, cool. Uh, say I'm at like an NBA live event or whatever for EA Sports. Cool. They're going to play the game. And this uh, NBA, James Harding is going to come in. He's going to play the game. And I know that's going to happen. I will film all of that. But then I can add a little bit more intenseness to it by filming people around the place that are dancing. Film some people that are getting drinks. Film some film the fucking game controller. Film the game itself. Like, f Film whatever you can that you can add on top of that so your video is not just a shot of James Harding playing NBA Live. It's now 15 clips in 10 seconds that show how cool it was that, that everyone was there and he was playing and everyone was watching. They were cheering for him. All that shit. You have to think of that that is going to make and highlight the story and make something really epic so that's just an example using like highlights i guess for for one ryan youngblood says ben hope to work with you on something in the future man if i had a question pause one second hold on dave is there more water over there <clears throat> i'm like dying over here i don't know what the deal is this coffee's fucking me up or what what do i know about the what the mini bar the free mini bar aqua panana Okay. Oh, is it sparkling water? Is it? Oh, yeah, it is. All right, Ryan Youngblood. He says, hope to work with you on something in the future, man. If I had a question, I currently 
Um, I currently got a job that incorporates me with film crews. Any cars that you see in commercials and movies, we prep. I've been trying to make a lot of contacts, but which department would you would be mo- most beneficial to connect with for future film work? Also, your flow for creative blocks. You know, yeah, okay. So I explained... Um, I explained, you know, running into creative blocks earlier. Um, I'm trying to make a lot of contacts, but which department would be most beneficial to connect with for future film work? I guess I don't really know what you mean by you prep the cars. Do you mean like you're putting rigs on them so we can, sh- you know, people can shoot the cars? Are you cleaning cars to make sure they're they're set ready? I don't really know what you're talking about, but um, I would say whatever seems interesting to you, whatever appears like oh, cool, when I prep these cars, like it, I have a vision for how they should look. Then maybe you should be a cinematographer. Maybe you should be a DP. Maybe you, should, you know exactly how the car should be lit. I wish I could put this light over here and use this fill light and this key light and do all these things and like make it look this way and add some fucking magenta and shit like that. Then, yeah, consider like you know playing with lights and start playing with cameras and figure out how you... It does, I don't. I wouldn't say I know exactly which department to go work for. I think it just de- completely depends on what you love. Just find the one thing that you love and start hunting that down. And start when you make those contacts, figure out who's doing what you love. You know what I mean? How can you ask them for advice and and figure out what to do? I think. <laughs> uh, Nikos Pina. Yo, I'm so bad at names. This is fucking crazy. What are ways that you have stayed relevant with current editing practices? Um, get help. Have other editors working on your projects with you. That is one thing that I think no one thinks about. Um, a great example, you could go to Dave because I couldn't edit these podcasts. And it's not that this is rocket science to edit podcast but it is time consuming dave is willing to edit these for me to help me keep this fucking thing alive and he believes in what black window cream is and that obviously for him was worth the investment to do these long podcasts which hopefully he learned some shit when he's listening to it i hope dave but also because he knew that by doing this it's one step closer to working with me and now he's been on a week uh four week project that is dave is this the biggest thing you worked on because it's the biggest thing I've worked on, so for sure it's the biggest thing Dave worked on. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like, these are the things. But I think that allowing to, to delegate your work and have multiple people help you accomplish that is very crucial. So that is it. I know it's not, like, an actual edit technique or, like, how to organize my projects and shit like that, but, like, that's super crucial. Fernando! Fernando, how was your first client scam? <laughs> what did you learn from this? Uh, Fernando, shout out to him. He's been hosting all of these fucking massive, uh, they're not massive, but they're, you know, he's hosting the first fucking Black Window Cream meetups in London, which is sick. So I appreciate you, dog. Uh, first client scam. First client scam. Uh, I don't know that I got, I, oh, yo, I do know. I got, um, I was supposed to do, I was supposed to edit, uh, What's that dude that does the song? A hundred shots. A hundred shots. A hundred shots. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, damn, why can't I think of it? Young Dolph. I was I, I edited his um his intro to his his 
tour shit or whatever. Like they wanted an intro video, or whatever. Boom, boom. I did it. Um, they gave me like the goals for it, and so I did the video. And the the dude I was relaying that to, or he was like the middle person between me and the camp. He like gave me all the info. I did the video exactly. Actually, I did it iller than what it was supposed to be, and then um brought it to them. And then they wanted to add all these things and take a bunch of stuff out, even though this was like kind of along the lines of what it was supposed to be. And it became this really hectic project where then other editors got on it too, and they were supposed to take over because I was only supposed to do it for like a day, and it became this whole thing where I was dealing with it forever, and. I can't remember what they were supposed to pay me, but they never the his camp never paid this guy in the middle, so this guy in the middle never paid me. So I did all this shit for nothing, basically. But I can't say that that's Dolph's fault at all. You know what I mean? I don't know who's dealing with his money and shit. But um, it's cool because the homie Spencer shoots for Dolph, and he's been killing it. So that's tight that he's at least getting something out of that camp because I didn't get shit from that. Uh, so that was interesting. And the way I learned from this was just never to work with them again. Um, let's, let's continue. I know you're asking more questions, but, uh, I want to make sure I get some more people in here. Actually, I see your question. When do you realize that you were ready to move to LA and what are three tips to anyone that move from where they are at to a place like LA? Um, he goes, I know the first tip will be to join black with no cream, but yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That is true. Join Black Window Cream um, because you'll connect with the people you need to connect with. You feel me? I think the first the, the tips, I say it all the time. Create a budget for yourself. Think about, think about it. Any company that is working, right, the first thing they do is allocate a budget to a project. They'll say, cool, we want to make a commercial. This commercial, we are willing to spend $1 million on it. If we sell... Um, 50,000 units of whatever the thing they're trying to sell, we will have acquired that million dollars back. And if we sell 200,000 copies or whatever the fuck, we'll make $10 billion. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. So they realize that their budget is worth spending on something that could potentially make them more money, right? So when you treat yourself, look at what you do when you go to school. You say, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to spend all this money or my parents are going to spend all this money on me to go to school to learn this thing so that I can do this thing. And eventually that's going to acquire enough money that I can pay that money back. And then everything after that will be residual income. So I would say creating a budget for yourself before you move to LA is super crucial you need to know your worth. You need to understand that you are worth something and that you know you'll get that shit back. So if you say, I'm going to spend, I think I came here with like, I think my goal is to have like 10 racks, maybe. Maybe it was five. Maybe it was like 10 grand. I was like, for 10 grand, I think I could get myself out to LA and I could live there for like two or three months, um, Ubering and eating and trying to get into places and doing whatever it took and just random expenditures and buying some extra gear and shit. 10 grand, that's what I wanted. And when that's all gone, fuck it. That was my gamble. I lost it. I put it all in red and I lost. It is what it is. I'm going to go home. Or I will be good at what I do. I will make enough connections. I might not make that 10K. I might lose the 10K and not, might not make it back in three months, but maybe I'll make it back in four. But I, you know what I mean? Whatever that is, that that's the other possibility. So you would win in that case and you come out on top. So I would say create a budget for yourself. A label's going to do it with their artists. A company's going to do it with their products. You have to do it with yourself as an artist. Know what you're going to do. Know exactly how you're going to accomplish it or be willing to take the risk to learn and get somewhere and then you will learn while you're there doing whatever the fuck that is. 
Um, but yeah, man, put invest in yourself. I know that's not three tips, but that's just one massive major tip is that you need to have your shit together. Be know that you're good at what you do and have a budget for yourself so that you can fucking go do all of it. Just do everything you want to do and accomplish it. Yosef uh, Bashir, what would you say would be your best tactic in terms of getting more exposure? I don't know, man. We're all, that's a question I ask myself every day. It'd be 10 times easier to get uh, great fucking people to interview on the Black and No Cream podcast if I had a million followers, but I don't. I have no idea how to get a million followers. Um, I have no idea how to get, a, you know, if I make some personal piece and I put it out or make this fucking podcast, I have no idea how to get it to get thousands of views. I can attempt to try things that I see working for other people. I'll definitely continue to do that, whether that's making social bits and adding text to shit or whatever it is or having the person post it that I have on the podcast. Um, but I, I would just say it's always see what other people are doing. Try to emulate that. Try to find a creative spin that you can do on top of that to help your content grow. Um, and I think that should help you get some exposure. You know what I mean? And it's all word of mouth too. Like don't, you have to be willing to, to talk about what you're doing and find people, but just don't spam people. I used to spam people all the time. It never worked for me. Trey Sean Bloat. Bloat, bloatant. I don't know the origin. The origin of how Black Window Cream was formed. Any sponsors? How to start networking across different platforms? Great events to get started. Growing at preferences. Um. All right. Black Window Cream. If you haven't heard of how it was formed, which Treshawn hasn't. Uh. It basically was. I was on tour. And I also had a documentary coming out on Netflix. And I was getting some people that were messaging me in my Instagram and my Snapchat and YouTube and shit. Basically, every platform I had, people were figuring out how to hit me up, emailing me and whatnot, asking me for advice. Um, whether it was photography, videography, that was mainly the two main things, um, how to work with artists and shit. And so my main goal was to just, I, I had to answer all of them because as a creator that comes from a small town in Iowa, um, and who had a vision back then and wanted to figure it out. I did the same thing. I was messaging people. I was emailing blogs. I was trying to get my music played. I was trying to get my videos seen, blah, blah, blah. I did whatever it took. Um, so I know what that's like. And I want, I wish I had someone that would respond to me when I was back there. You know, I had a few people that didn't, it was awesome. Um, and I know what that feels like. So uh, I felt obligated to respond to every single person that messaged me. I actually just posted something on Instagram and it's like, that's how crazy it is when I post some shit that people start DMing me real quick. This is literally right before we started this. So everyone's commenting with questions and shit right now. I feel like I have to respond always, no matter what. And I want to respond in depth a little bit more. I wish I could spend more time. Like if we ran into each other on the street and you asked me a question and I had some time, you'd probably get a good fucking response out of me. On Instagram DM, it takes a lot of time to send a message. I'm usually doing some shit. Instagram's so easy to look at. And all of a sudden I realize when I'm in my fucking my DMs and you had asked me a question. I really want to give you a full full response, but I just don't have enough time. And I felt bad. I wanted to give people like really good info. And I thought, what if I could put people sorry, I'm drinking water again. What if I could put people in a place where, you know, they could ask that question probably for me. And if I'm too busy, someone else like minded could chime in and answer or maybe multiple people could chime in and answer with their thoughts or opinions because the truth is 
is someone could ask me what the best camera is to shoot a wedding or what 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 the toolkit is needed to to um create you know a logo for a company or whatever and they may ask me and i may have an opinion but there may be someone that lives in little rock arkansas or fucking i don't know maine or some shit that isn't in la and hasn't done some big shit that people follow them on instagram for um but they may be good at what that person's asking the question for, and they could chime in, and that answer may be even better than what I could say. So if I'm too busy and there's people that have questions, hopefully other people answer them. And in that, I love the idea that that creates conversations, and that could create friendships, and people could network that way. And network is key. So when people ask me for, hey, man, is there any way I could work with you, blah, 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 I tell them, please just join this group because I've already made it that easy that we could potentially work together at some point, but I could also introduce you to 3,000 other individuals that you could work with as well. And they're all talented as fuck. You know what I mean? They're willing to work and they're willing to collaborate and do all this shit, blah, blah, blah. So that's how that shit was formed. And it's awesome to say that it's fucking working. And the fact that I've been gone and off the grid for the last five weeks and I can get on Black Window Cream and scroll and it's constantly filled with new content. People are sharing new shit and asking questions and talking to each other and I'm not fucking there is amazing. Like it's just a stable for people to live in and work in and collaborate. And hopefully now with like these meetups that people are doing in London, New York and shit, and hopefully I'm going to start doing one in LA whenever the fuck I get time. People will meet and become fucking friends, and that's sick as fuck to me. Um, so that's a, that's how Black Window Cream was formed. Uh, sponsors, I'm working on them. I, I I need to try to lock those in so that I could lock in a place to do the podcast because I used to do it at my WeWork office um, and out of my kitchen, but it would be a lot easier if I could have a place that I could create and have cameras and lights set up, and it's just the exact same every time. And I could just pull up with whoever it is Boom, it's on. It's not in some shitty boardroom. It's not in my kitchen where my girlfriend's like, you know, hiding in the other room trying to be quiet. It would just be much better. So sponsors will help that. A Patreon will help that. Um, that'll allow me to, you know, once this job's done, just focus on that and make more content and work with more creators to fish out more content for you guys. Um, so that's kind of the goal. Uh, and then obviously do more events like real life events where we could all meet up and do seminars and shit. Uh... Okay, I think I answered enough questions. I don't know. That was a lot. I don't know how long we've been talking for. Maybe an hour, maybe 50 minutes, 53 minutes. So I answered like 40 minutes worth of questions. That's pretty good. Um, I think I will, you know, come back to this shit soon. This could be cool. I don't know if it is. I, I think it could be cool to do stuff like this where I do like a little AMA. It could also be cool to... <sighs> There's a lot of cool things that we could do, guys. I think another thing that would be cool to do, and I'm totally open to your guys' opinions, please uh, comment on this post in Black Window Cream and let me know what you think. But um, I think it could be cool to, on top of having interviews, make these short episodes where I talk on topics. So maybe instead, you know, I'm answering a lot of questions, but maybe I could take a topic and spend some time kind of crafting like a good response. Um, hopefully like more detailed and, and kind of driven to like hit key points and all that shit. And I could fish those out to you guys and provide, you know, some solid feedback or content or whatever that may be. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I'm, I, I'm trying to think of what other things I can do on top of the interviews, which I don't know why the fuck I'm doing because it's already overwhelming trying to get you guys a solid interview every week. Um, but once I have a actual Black Widow Cream office space, that's going to be so helpful to me. I don't know how to express it to you guys. It just sounds like I just want a space just to be somewhere. But I don't have an office anymore. I have my apartment. I can't be creative in there because it's like my fucking home. You know what I mean? Pretty much married. So... Like, we live our life there, and I want to come in and fucking yell at a camera and give ideas out and bring people in here and talk and do shit. Having a space like that would be so helpful. When I have that space, that's when I want to start implementing more of these ideas so that the group can grow and we can provide more tools and shit. So definitely let me know what you think about that. Um, That's it. I feel like I should wrap it up. Dave, do you have any questions that you want to ask me that I should answer to them as if you were typing it? Think quick, dude. Huh? I'm not going to edit shit out. He's asked me if I'm going to edit this out like while he thinks. Oh, God. We just ate at this place called um, Yard House. I've never had it before. Bomb calamari. I also experienced nacho, poke, nach- poke nachos for the first time. Oh, my God. If you haven't had it, you need to do it. It was fire. Dave, any questions? He's blanking. What happens when you blank uh, when you're supposed to give a question to someone? That's it. I don't know. I think this is cool. Um, I'm going to be at Coachella for the next two weeks. We are here. We are setting up um, and getting some shit done, performing and doing all the stuff we're doing. I will talk about it in the next episode, I believe. Um, but I have my podcast shit here in the hotel, so I'm going to try to pick off a couple of the people I'm working with on this project and get you guys some new stuff, blah, 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 blah. That's it. I'm not going to make an outro to this video. This will be the outro. But I think I am going to make an intro to this video, and then and it'll be funny. But um, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning into this shit. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, we're on Spotify now, YouTube as well, and motherfucking iTunes. And then pretty much everything else that you guys listen to podcasts on, we're on that shit. So if you want to do something for me, it would be share this with someone. Tell them to subscribe and be a part of this whole shit. And if they're not in the group, bwnc.com slash join. Make them do it. They won't regret it. Uh, That's it. All right. Bye, bitch.